host today, Christy Williams-Dunton, and a real pleasure to be able to have a few conversations with some of the uh, the glistening wonderkins of our community that are here to talk about all the things. And by all the things, I mean this, the wonderful transcendence that can happen when you look at something like the detritus of everything that's out there in or around your garage, waiting for somebody to pick it up and put it in the dumpster, the landfill, the who knows what it is. Is that bubble wrap? Is that a collection of batteries? What is that? And you think to yourself, I know what, that is a dress. That's what you're thinking. Now, it used to be that every year Moab would be thinking that way and looking at its trash, but it's been a couple of years where the trash is perhaps, who knows, built up around said garage, said dumpster, and maybe you have not made your dress. Well, I don't know that it matters if you did or you didn't, but I'm telling you that there are people that are putting trash into fash. That's right. Fashion. Out of trash. The transcendence of all of that is happening on the 25th of February. Everybody is so excited. And when I say everybody, I mean everybody. And here to enjoy that conversation and to move it along a little bit is none other than Kaya Marienfeld who is a friend of the Resiliency Hub, here to talk to us today about the Trash and Show put on by the Resiliency Hub. It's going to be at Woody's. Kaya. Hiya. So, so good to see you. (laughs) So good to see you. You too, my friend. Um, What fun. And so let's be clear, you are not working for the Resiliency Hub. You're just being good enough friend of Resiliency Hub to come up and talk. Yes, and I am am performing at the Trash and Show, which (gasps) is why I got tagged in on this today. The big reveal. The big reveal. So I'm not here as Kaya Marienfeld. I'm here as DJ Sparklefists, actually. (gasps) I know you are familiar with that entity of mine. It's been a while. (laughs) Context is everything. I was, I was, uh, I didn't see if you had sparkly mucklucks or what so uh, it yes mm, no i'm i'm out of fooled. i'm out of costume you were out of costume i am i am clark kent in glasses today oh, so by day <laughs> a friend of resiliency up well i would ask you what are you going to wear for f- trash and show but isn't that part of it it's it is a true like you're not going to tell anybody you're just going bam with i your will creation. say i am someone who enjoys trash and show as the fun community gathering it is not because I have a shred of designer designer creativity in my body I can barely sew a button back on a shirt and even that is a little dicey so I am not one of the people who goes really big and really amazing with costumes but holy heck there are some people in this community that do and it is so much fun getting to especially participating um, as a performer and as someone helping facilitate the event it's so fun to be up on stage and watch everyone dancing and having fun in these unbelievably incredible outfits um so i'm really looking forward to it i i have some time blocked out this week to like maybe make a hat out of some newspaper and that's going to be good for me so (laughs) so you are you are wearing more than a hat you have been working on a costume or are you yes you are performing there is a thing there is a thing. Um, so it's, you know, I, I go pretty minimal. Uh, a lot of people do. It's definitely an event where the context and the reason is to use recycled materials and garbage and whatever you have lying around to make really fantastic outfits. You know, there are competitions that are there, mm-hmm. which is really fun. <laughs> uh, again, I'm not one of those people, so I will figure something out this week to make out of trash, but it's probably not going to be anything spectacular. Um but there's plenty of other people who will be going that route. So I love that so much. Clear, <laughs> clearly, I do, uh, because everything is sort of grist for that mill for yeah. art, and oh, yeah. uh, beauty can be made out of just about anything. I mean, you know, prove it to yourself. You could go and find out. Uh, Seven o'clock, Woody's the twenty fifth of uh, February. February. Yes. Now for months. The offering has been from Resiliency Hub that people can come and learn about garment construction from somebody who really knows what they're talking about. I wanted to, wanted to, didn't. 
to the lucky ones that did, they probably got the, um, you know, the training to Mm -hmm. make something spectacular. Did you go to any of those? I didn't. I was hoping to go last night, but I didn't make it. That was the last sort of Mm -hmm. open trash and crafting. So for context, um, the Resiliency Hub and some friends who are those very crafty, creative garment people um, have been putting on, um, I think in conjunction with the Mark as well, with Moab Arts, um, putting on a trash and crafting workshop at the Mark where you can come. There'll be There are sewing machines. There are materials, all sorts of recycling and garbage and things, and certainly bring your own. Um, and they've had those several times throughout the last couple months. Last night was the last one before this Saturday, unfortunately. Um, but I've heard from some other folks who were able to attend that it was a really great um, opportunity to sort of see things in a new light and and help uh, help construct things for themselves and their friends. Um, so I'm hoping to see some things that were created at that event. It was really great of them to provide that space as well. And if you have a glue gun or something, it's not too late to do something quick oh, and yeah. um, maybe somewhat dirty, but... <laughs> Yeah. Because it's trash. Yeah, absolutely. All. Absolutely. Uh, but that's going to be an awful lot of fun. So we're going to have a runway. We're going to have how many? Do you know how many or is it are, is it already said how many um, models uh, or competitors? So it's very it's really fun. And this is maybe a reason to start thinking about things or put the final touches on your outfits if you've been planning this for a while. But um, every year, and again, the last Trash and Show was in 2020, late February of 2020, and then something happened the next month. I don't know what. Mm -mm. But um, that was the last one. So it's been three years, which is pretty wild since the last one. Um, But so there will be judges who are walking around the crowd with their judgy pants with on. their judgy pants with their judgy pants made of bubble wrap or something <laughs> um, in the crowd. He'll be walking around with a little clipboard and observing and asking people about their outfits and what the inspiration was and what they made them out of. Um, most of these people are past winners. Uh, I have found in the many years going to trash and show, you've noticed that they're the people who are the really good garment creative people who tend mm-hmm. to be the judges. I think it's a great idea because it sort of switches up um, roles and gives some new folks an opportunity to kind of shine. Uh, so I know one of the judges, one of my good friends is going to be judging and she was a winner in years past. I remember um, she had a really wonderful two piece outfit, made newspaper on the skirt, um, uh, some uh, box wine uh containers on the skirt and then she had a top that was made of wine corks on the top oh so just for a little inspiration it was wonderful but i know she's going to be one of the judges this year um and they sort of will tell people hey we'd like you to walk in the runway show if you'd like to compete um and so there's it's hard to remember how many specifically it may change but um there's a couple different categories and they'll say hey we'd like you to compete in this category and we'll play some music and we'll clear a space uh for a runway and people will get to show off their outfits already are hard yeah so good it's uh, really fun say- i will be djing the runway show oh. so i'm working on some good trash DJs. trash inspired Barkle songs fist. right now who are some of the uh the artists that you are oh, pulling goodness. from for that. Um, I, I had a specific request, which I think I will honor for Material Girl by Madonna, mm-hmm. which, of course, is a very fitting song. I try to be kind of on the nose in funny ways in instances like this, but otherwise just things that are really fun um, to strut your stuff to on the dance floor. So or on the runway, I should say. I can think of a lot of topical songs that yes. kind of fit in. I'm thinking about the I'm, Ravenettes and Love in a Trash Can. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yep, absolutely. But uh, the dancey deal, too, because you're you're being camp and all, so there's yep. a big, uh, yep. big heavy beat going on, too, yes, isn't there? Yes, exactly. Oh. So criteria is dancey, trash recycling related. We'll see. Um, I think Hot there'll be trash. some fun, fun <laughs> on-topic songs. Um Throughout the evening with both me, the other DJ, and then also the Fiery Furnace Marching Band, who will be playing as well between DJs. So fun. So, so fun. Okay. Now there are, uh, there's a question that's been in the back of my mind. Sometimes I can, I can hear it like somebody asking, ask her about this. (laughs) If you, uh, in no way have the time or the skill and you want to come anyway, 
you don't have to wear trash to come. Correct. You can just yep. be there. You come can as just you are. be there. You can just be there. You know, the point of this is to, you know, it's Moab. We have to have a theme to a party. I feel like I've never been to a party in Moab that didn't <laughs> that have didn't a theme. Happen. And I, as a 34-year-old adult, have a costume closet to prove it. Um, but... You know, this is another one of those where it's obviously tons of fun if you do come in theme. I think the hilarity of sort of watching the slow either progression or decline, however you want to put it, of people's outfits throughout the night. Um, and then being there, I've I've either performed with Fiery Furnace or played music or DJed in some respect the last several years um, mm-hmm. of Trash and Show when it was happening and so I'm always there after everyone leaves. And man, is it funny to see just sort of the, you know, the community recycle center incarnate on the dance floor after everyone has gone home. And rest assured, you know, all of that gets recycled. It all gets picked up and recycled and all this bit that fell off here and that bob that fell off there. Um, you know, the cleanup doesn't just involve stuffing everything in a trash bag because that's very anti what the whole event is about. And so the organizers do go to great pains to make sure that all the trash that ends up there or the recycling that ends up there finds its proper way to its final resting place. Don't so. we love that? Uh, we'd be remiss <laughs> if we didn't uh, talk for a moment about Resiliency Hub itself. Are you are you prepared to talk a little I bit about its I can provide a little bit of information, but I know they have a Facebook page and Instagram and then a website as well, where is absolutely probably the best place to go to get info um, about that particular organization. Let's do this right now because we want to do right by Resiliency yes, Hub. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and if you just tuned in, you're listening to This Week in Moab. I'm your host, Christy Williams-Dunton, and I am here with none other than DJ Sparkle Fists, who is talking to us about all the fun that is poised to literally go down. Uh <laughs> This weekend and the Resiliency Hub, they are a multi-platform, permaculturally framed organization. Yes. Um, And they, they, you know, they uh, at least according to the info they provide for the Trash and Show, it's a nonprofit that they provide access to gardening space. It's a huge aspect of what they do. Um, community gardening space in town and as well as the community garden which is the little garden um, over there across from the multicultural center that is um, managed, run, tended with love, open to the public thanks to the Resiliency Hub Um, and they do garden space earth-based education, permaculture um, sort of throughout this network of community gardens which is really cool. Well done. Thank well you. done. It says that they act by providing education, fostering conversations, demonstrating ideas, and facilitating initiatives with partners, uh, like putting on a show that shows how we can have fun and uh, make a point of how much yeah. trash there is. Yeah, absolutely. One of the values is, of course, reduce. Uh, in permacultural framing yes. before uh, reuse, repurpose, recycle, all of that. Reduce is hard. Reduce is hard, especially where plastic is concerned. Yeah. And I know you as Reduce an individual and a consumer yeah. work on that. Have you ever tried to go uh, cold turk on plastic? Not all plastics. I think it's difficult, you know, in today's world, it's, it's just a part of life. <laughs> as I'm sitting here looking at my phone that has all sorts of little plastic components on it and you know plastic plastic earphones and uh, my favorite hair ties which are made of plastic probably the clothes (laughs) we're wearing yes exactly but I think you know trying to reduce individual impact is something that should never feel um, overwhelming I think it's it's only I see it as a a total only a possible win you know, there's not a failure to be had trying to reduce your impact on, excuse me, on the planet in any way. Um, and I think trying to reduce, which is obviously the most important part of the reduce, reuse, recycle, because if it's not there in the first place, you don't have to reuse it or recycle it, mm-hmm. um, is really great. I mean, I, I uh, a lo- quite a long time ago made a commitment to just stop buying any um, 
single serving drinks in a plastic bottle, Mm -hmm. which is surprisingly easy to do. Um, actually, you know, granted we have good access to a lot of things here. It's easy for me to get my favorite kombucha in glass if I feel like having it, you know, from Moonflower or something like that. But even those little things I think make a huge difference. Certainly I think here locally, you actually see the impact of it a lot more because everyone sees where it goes. We see the recycle center you know, on a daily basis, we see the landfill. It's our scenic landfill from our favorite dog hike here in town. And so I think you actually are a lot closer to your garbage here in Moab than you are anywhere else. So it's kind of a fun way to really, (laughs) I love have a slogan, have it Moab where you are much closer to your garbage. Yeah. I mean, I have a sticker on my car that says, keep Moab trashy. If you've not noticed that before, And that, that is my firm, solid belief and sort of underlies a lot of things I do here in the community is keep, keep the Moab property trashy. taxes low. Yeah, I mean, keep 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 that kind of little rusty edge. On oh, no, stuff. I get it. The <laughs> funk factor. The funk factor. Exactly. Indeed. You know, it, uh, we talk about Moab's isolation quite a bit as one of the factors that brings out this um, uh, unique, perhaps even Darwinian culture unto itself. Uh and kind of like an island. Mm-hmm. It's been called a bubble yeah. or in the bubble. Uh, I think of it sometimes like an island because yeah. of that. There's a little bit of the island culture in wintertime, sometimes a bit of island fever. Mm-hmm. And if you've ever or, uh, or just recently, in fact, been to an island, Hawaii, one of the Hawaiian ones, uh, probably the most um, visited, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps, who knows, but they understand. Yes. And it is so palpable, uh, the feeling there about how they are like, no, we get it. What kind of plastic? What kind of sunscreen? Yeah. Yeah. They're very, very hip to what the impacts of tourism and the consuming of place is about. Absolutely. Do you think here on this island we're getting there or are well on our way? I think think so. You know, I think... I keep thinking of this bumper sticker that I think my dad had on his truck at one point when I was a kid, which stop throwing things away. There is no away. Mm. And it, I think that's kind of hippie parents aside, you know, I think that is, that's exactly correct. Um, and particularly here it's, mm-hmm. Oh, it's not throwing it away. It's, you're going to, you know, see it up there when you're going for a hike up at sand flats um that's where i just was today i drove past the dump and the community recycle center on my way up um but i think you know i think we are having an awareness of that i've been really heartened to see particularly a lot of new businesses um and you know overnight accommodations new hotels or um things like that having more of a plan in place for that kind of thing it's nice to see the culture just sort of shifting to a model of, you know, this is what the market is even calling for now is the ability to have something be um, not single use plastic or, you know, you're using waxed cartons again for a lot more things than you are plastic bottles or you're switching to glass because even though maybe it's a little heavier to transport, it's a lot easier to reuse that particular material or there's more uses for it later on. Like I know at one point we were, you know, grinding up glass um, and using it to keep dust down at our landfill here in town. So I wish I, we had a smelter. Yeah, I know. Uh, so I know the gl- glass is a huge bummer, I think. And um, I'll list some really great information. Obviously, um, there's a lot of very recycle minded folks in the community here. So it makes it really easy to have those conversations, which is neat. Um, but I think it was the, you know, the solid waste special service district who were saying, you know, this is this is what it is when we recycle this material. This is this material. Here's what we get for it. This is the most lucrative, which makes it the easiest to recycle because, of course, we have to ship everything quite right. a ways um, to make use of that. But I think I would say absolutely I've lived here for about eight years now, and I would say I think the culture in Moab is very reduce, reuse, and then if you need to, like, try your darndest to recycle it. Um, or repurpose it. Or repurpose it. This so, Saturday. And that's where this comes in. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, especially around plastic when we know, mm-hmm. gosh, the more we, the more we know, the more we, like, really, it's a, it's a bit of a yeah. problem. It's yeah. everywhere. I read that uh, we, as human beings, each consume inadvertently uh, a credit card's worth of plastic per year. Wow. 
Okay. I know. I'm not surprised by that at all. Right. You know. Showing up in breast milk, this kind of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, me um, chewing on the back of my pen at the office is probably like 90% of my plastic intake. intake. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. I mean, it's... it's or in, ravenously tearing a package. Absolutely. It's in everything, which mm-hmm. is... And there's so many cool reuses of it, too. You know, obviously, you're not on a daily basis making a dress out of you know, plastic bottle caps like you would might be for the trash and show this weekend. But, you know, there's major outdoor brand companies who use a ton of synthetic materials in their clothing and their materials that have all recycled clothes options now for your, you know, your nice fleece that you might buy from some major outdoor brand company or something like that. And it's neat to see that sort of becoming the norm a lot with a lot of those companies and it I think it makes good sense I think things like that are totally ripe for repurposed materials because it you know it doesn't matter if it's like a clear bottle you can see through it's going to be somebody's fleece vest so yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and maybe we'll get around uh, and through in a resilient way this uh, idea about uh, PFAS about polyfluoro yeah. Yeah. Uh, carbon um, forever chemicals too many syllables there's very many syllables yes just bad bad plastic yeah so and there is such a thing i guess i have heard is better than that Mm -hmm. plastic so uh may we get through it and um thank you kaya wow okay so maybe somebody just tuned in do us a wrap around and uh tell us again what where when Absolutely. So it is the Trash and Show. It is back after a three-year hiatus uh, at Woody's world-famous tavern, of course, um, which does mean that it is 21 and up, um, unfortunately, just because we are at the bar and those are the rules. Um, So if you're 18, 19, 20, hang in there. There'll be another one. Um, It is Saturday night. uh, This Saturday, which is February 25th at 7 p.m. is when the doors are. Uh, it's, it's 10 bucks, uh, gets you in for the night of dancing, uh, weirdness, entertainment, and a chance to win your costume. Uh, the classiest, sassiest, trashiest, or best in show, which are the categories this year, um, (laughs) decided by ultra secret trash and show judges. Uh, there'll be two DJs, myself, DJ Sparkle Fist. I'm on later. Um, and then we're opening up with DJ Paris Hinson, who's playing an all vinyl set, which is going to be really exciting. Um, he's fantastic. I'm really excited for that. And then the Fiery Furnace Marching Band is playing a set in the middle right around the runway show, too. Oh my um, and it'll be 7 p.m. doors. Obviously, come whenever, but the, the fashion show will be approximately 10 p.m. So make sure you're there by then if you want your outfit in contention and if you want to be there for the best part of the night for sure so i'm clapping already a <laughs> slow clap for everybody involved right now it's about five twenty-five, and uh this week in moab a very special treat for this president's day uh with kaya thank you so much dj sparkle you're very welcome for coming even if not in costume today yes. my dear yes so great to see you um is there anything else we wanted to say? I don't think so. We'll see so you all either. there. Okay. Thank you so much. We're going to uh, go out with this one and be back with uh, my next guest, who is Grand County Economic Development Director August Granath. It's This Week in Moab, and I'm your host, Christy. I am here with August Granath, and so excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming up today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Uh there's been so much going on, I hardly know where to start. I, I do want to ask you about some of the things happening within uh, your building, your department, your vision. But I know you're here to talk about the Grand Summit. And, sure. And business-wise, uh, all the people that have a stake in Moab's economic vitality are invited, I'm sure. Yep. Talk about the event. Okay, so this is um, an annual summit that's been going on for a long time. Uh, started under the tutelage of Zachariah Levine as the Moab Business Summit um, when economic development was still a part of the planning and zoning department at Grand County. Um, it has changed forms a couple times last year, uh, becoming the Canyonlands Business Summit as a joint um, operation between San Juan County and Grand County Economic Development Departments. Um, and since then, 
they have decided to go and do their own, and so so have we. So, you know, have shifted the name to the Grand Summit to reflect um, a focus on Grand County um, and, and also expanding a little bit from exclusively being a business summit to really being tying into a holistic uh, an opportunity to talk about a holistic vision for the future of Grant County's economy. Oh, that's very exciting. I'm glad to hear about it uh, because it is so related to so many other vectors of well-being and what creates, a, you know, a whole and just community. Uh how are you going to do that? What are some of the agenda items? You want to talk about some of the sure. procedures? How does that go? Yeah, so a um, handful of selections. Well, I guess I'll zoom out before I go into the agenda. It's, it's, it's two days. So the main event is March 1st, 2023. So that's two Wednesdays from now, not next week, but the following Wednesday. So if you find yourself at Trash and Show and you complete the Trash and Show adventure, uh, you know that in four days' time on Wednesday, the Grand Summit will await you. Um, and we want to also start off with a kind of a, a, a social welcome. Um, so we'll be joining um, together on Tuesday evening at the Red Earth venue, um, which is a new event space um, out on 313 past Moab Giants. Um, you may have seen um, they're they're uh, hosting us for um, some light drinks and food there to kind of start things off. Um, obviously, these things are often about networking more than the content, mm-hmm. and or at least that's where most people get value from. And so we want to kind of kickstart that part of it the night before, and then uh, during the day we'll have um, uh, all of the all of the sessions at the Hoodoo Moab. Um, okay. Super. And so it's a full raft of events uh, by presenters that are both from here and elsewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you are going to be looking at it comprehensively uh, in a a kind of circular way. So, so yeah, um, I think start, I'll go over the agenda, which is your original question. (laughs) Um, So in the morning, uh, we're going to do, you know, a brief welcome um, you know, part of the theme is moving Moab forward, um, and that's really intentionally set to kind of set the tone of, you know, where can we go? What kind of planning can we do collectively as a community? And, um, you know, what what good ideas are out there and how can we all get on the same page um, or at least as much as possible? And so one of the one of the uh, the morning keynote on here, we haven't announced it yet, but um, we'll be hosting the city manager for Vernal, who has done a managed a really wonderful downtown development plan process. Um, it, it, was a, it was a presentation I attended at the Utah Tourism Conference in Vernal this fall, and was really I came away very impressed. Um, I think oftentimes as a community, we can't come together on decisions about Main Street or. Um, you know, a balance of tourism and community. And, and what I really enjoyed out of this experience was that his perspective as a city manager, really trying to focus on what are things we can all agree on? What are things that we can come together, set a vision collectively, and then aggressively go after getting resources to make that vision a reality. Um, and so there's not necessarily a one-to-one from their experience to our experience, but I really wanted to set the tone for the day of what can we do with well-thought-out planning as a community? It, it kind of starts with, as you say, networking and asking some really uh, differently calibrated questions. We're kind of in a different time than we were, even using the language that we have in the past doesn't maybe fit as much today. Even thinking about growth, uh, an economic growth mindset, it feels a little dated now. It's a little bit more maybe equilibrium mindset or or something where how do we uh, think that way instead of just grow, grow, grow. Is there that kind of thinking in, um, do you see that? I mean, yeah, I think it's, it depends who you talk to, obviously. Um, but I think for, from our, I think our department's vision generally is, you know, we're, we're, we live in a, a wonderful, amazing small community that the world loves to come play in. And, um, we have different outlooks on the world depending on who you talk to. And I think our biggest challenge as a community is how do we talk about something like the future and talk about something like economic growth, um, bringing benefit to our community members via our economy 
in a way that doesn't create so much tension that it shuts the conversation down. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, it's all about facilitation and um, meeting people where they're at and hearing where people are coming from, even if it's not where you you're coming from. So I think economic growth is a perfect example. I think you have people in this town who would really, who economic growth is everything, right? And that, that kind of a mindset. And that's also how the state frames, I think, economic um, growth in a lot of ways. And, you know, I think we have people here who would, who would really like to see more of kind of an equitable growth, a really balanced communally kind of in harmony with nature kind of existence. And, and I think that we need to, our office is kind of right in the middle of trying to make that balance of, of those two visions because they're all ultimately just different ways of framing the same thing. Ultimately, we're trying to have a community where kids can have an f- opportunity in a type of a job that they would want, um, that they can come back and that families can grow and thrive. And, and It's safe to grow up. It feels yeah. like a small town. You can, yeah. Right, exactly, all of that. And so I think that, you know, sometimes our backgrounds and experiences color the way we what language we use and what we think is good or bad. But, you know, I think all of these conversations really are around like um, probing the narrative where we can, you know, I think the next session that we're going to talk about um, around economic infrastructure, you know, that's going to include things like childcare and housing, um, which if you talk to a traditional economic developer 20 years ago, they're not going to say that childcare is, is economic development necessarily. But, you know, we've looked at what, how much more labor does that free up in our local economy when you have a mom who's able to reliably have their kid in daycare and actually go to work and, and bring, bring home the bacon for their family. Um, and that daycare <laughs> doesn't cost all the bacon yeah, to begin with. Exactly, because it's a public good. Right. Um, the same way public education is a public good. Um, and so, you know, that was, an oppor- that was something we saw as an opportunity as a board and as a department as, as, and working with community stakeholders to increase the supply and shore up the local suppliers of childcare. And that is foundational to our economic infrastructure because if we don't have basic things like housing, um, childcare, internet, and all the rest, we're not going to be able to do all these really cool long-term um, expansion projects whatever that might look like. That's kind of where you're going with the panel discussion next. You're talking about business between the buttes. I see expanding affordable commercial and industrial space in the Moab Valley. Yeah. So that's kind of really, I mean, it's a conversation that is that happens. But, you know, as a community, we talk so much about housing and how there's a, a, a shortage of housing. What are the market failures that are that are yielding that? And how, how can we as a community of developers, builders, landowners and, um, you know, government entities that can create sense subsidies to, to create more housing? We're not really having that community conversation around commercial space as much if i want to start a business um and i want to have some office space you're really limited um besides having you know my desk uh next to my fridge in my kitchen um and (laughs) you know that's a limit that's that's a that's a limiting factor to economic vitality is the ability of someone who has a really good idea who has the resources to, to to turn that really good idea into jobs and products and all of the rest if they can't actually create a space to run that business. Um, and so, so this kind of discussion is, um, why is it so hard to develop, you know, affordable commercial space for our local business owners, uh, even light industrial, whether that's small, you know, outdoor gear manufacturing, etc. We just don't have a lot of it. And, um, why do you think you think it has something to do with limited space? Well, in some ways, obviously we're like an Island, right. um, uh, despite being on mainland. <laughs> so there's limited space. I think it's also, there's there's part of that that's been discussed is that I think that there's a lot of folks who are landowners and, you know, I think the the term has been called aspirational pricing, you know, hoping to get the <laughs> the absolute most out of that land and hoping that a developer can find some way. I love that phrase. Um, huh. and, and it's not necessarily going to pencil out for a developer, right. but you might as well list it that much, especially when we have such a hot tourism economy and people have been able to, you know, sell their land. Maybe maybe it's their family land. Maybe it's their their nut that they're hoping to allow their family to have kind of that relief of uh, whatever the future might hold for them. So I think there's there's, um, misaligned incentives there. Um, And also our tourism economy, 
um, can bring such a high vet dollar per square foot, depending on what the use is. Um, and so where we find ourselves is a, is a tricky balance of, um, you know, we have moratoriums on hotel development in the city and the county. And once that runs out, are, are, are the land values going to modify accordingly if those kinds of uses are not going to be possible anymore? And I think the flip side also is it's just you have to have the right alignment of, uh, of, a, of a developer with the right project and the right acumen, a landowner willing to sell it at the right price. And, um, you know, I think our job as an office typically in a lot of those scenarios is how do we, how do we bridge the gap between the ideal project and the reality of the cost on the ground, whether that's, you know, tax increment financing is a tool that people use a lot in our field. Um, but whatever that might be, maybe it's just bringing stakeholders together. And the vision around the zoning and use so that we can maintain the qualities that we're on the same page about. Exactly. And if you've just tuned in, you're listening to a a great discussion that is breaking it down for us here with August Granith of the uh, Grand County Economic Development uh, department. He's the director. And so great to have you here, August. Thank you so much for telling us about the Grand Summit subheaded Moab Moving Forward. It's happening March 1st, uh, largely at the Hoodoo Moab. And you can get a first peek uh, for the first night's reception at the new at the new Red space, Earth venue, uh, the Red Earth venue. Yep. So um pretty cool you know and grandsummitmoab.com is where you can get all the details and buy your tickets perfect thank you is it uh possible to come to just one day or one part i think everything it's all it's all inclusive um so you know if we end up having extra tickets day of and you show up and you want to come to one session um maybe maybe but 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 the tickets are priced such as it's all inclusive so that includes you know um food and beverage for the evening um reception on tuesday the 28th and then uh food and and beverage during the day for the actual summit so that includes a breakfast and a a lunch great so pretty much a one-day deal with the previous evening yep and we were uh, you know we don't need to go point by point through the agenda uh i'll i'll give you a break oh august dear Uh, but i am extremely interested in this panel discussion uh uranium potash copper Oh, mine. Utah's transition to clean energy. That has, well, it's got a lot of energy on it. Just reading the sentence, uh, (laughs) a very um, interesting place to come to the same, you know, what do we agree about? Yeah. That topic in Moab's history, uh, not a lot. Not a lot of consensus. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of came about in, in several ways. Um, I think part of that conversation is going to be, you know, we have local renewable energy developers um, that don't do a lot of development in our area. And why is that? Um, and part of that's because the incentives aren't aligned. Right. So to do renewable energy development, you have to have incentives that, that work. Um, and so. Uh, that's Give me kind an of, example of renewable energy development. So like rooftop solar, for example, okay. or, or like um, there's been a lot of conversation about putting like a solar field up by the airport, for example. Mm. Um, and those are all possible, um, but... Aspirational. Yeah, yeah. But the money has to add up. So, you know, we have folks in this town who their full-time job is renewable energy development, but they're doing projects in other places for whatever reason. And so we're hoping that they'll speak to that here in that context. Um, and then part of it, part of the conversation is like, what are the inputs for renewable energy? Um, and where is that going to come from? So obviously lithium is one big part of that. And there's some projects right now in the area that are doing kind of exploratory, um, um, looking at old capped oil wells and saying, is there, is there, is there lithium, is there lithium under here? Mm-hmm. There's nothing commercial at this point, but there's a lot of resources betting on the potential for that. And so, you know, the federal government is putting a premium on domestic sources of renewable energy source materials like lithium. So is that is that in the future for our area? Is that something we want? Who's going to be involved in that? Um, and so we'll have the governor's um, office of energy development will be there um, being a part of this conversation. Um, and and kind of also looking at our past and what is the future of there's a lot of conversation about the 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 new reality of of um nuclear energy generation this smaller um 
molten salt core. There's a lot of talk about how it's way different than Less the old version. Less comprehensibly lethal. Yeah. So yeah. who know? I I don't know what that's all about. But a lot of yeah. people are talking about it. The folks yeah, in Emory are. are talking about could they replace the coal mines, um, or the, not the coal mines, but the coal generation that they have out there. Um, they have all of the infrastructure, the transmission, the labor, um, and replace those those coal-fired power plants with this kind of future of, of nuclear. Um, and then that gets tied into, you know, our uranium, you know, extraction past. And, you know, there's the White Mesa Mill next door in San Juan County and Energy Fuels, um, who owns and operates that and owns several other, um, at the moment, you know, unoperable mines what what is they what do they see the future looks like and and i think trying to have a conversation about what's going on um without without making policy decisions necessarily sure even even just defining the terms clean energy uh looks like a very interesting discussion and you have people uh that are your presenters that are coming in from uh, it looks like largely in the state but not altogether you have some uh, people that I that look like they come from, gosh, who knows? We've got <laughs> Zemin Zhao. We've got Natalie Eldiri. We've got a bunch of people. Who do you want to uh, showcase a little bit? Today? Yeah. Okay. Let me let me think about that for one second. So I think maybe so. One of these things, um, the following, the next in the agenda is the Utah's New Americans Task Force. So that's run by Zeman Zhao, who is the um, director for the Center for Economic Opportunity and Belonging at the Economic Development Corporation of Utah, and they've been trying to do an initiative that is really centered around. Um, how do we welcome these new Americans uh, into our country, into our economy, and into our communities, and do that in a really intentional way? And so Nat- Natalie Aldiri also um, is the Director of Immigration and New American Integration for the Governor's Office of Economic Opportunity, used to be the Executive Director for the International Rescue Committee, um, and so they'll be, they'll be speaking to... Um, kind of what is the reality of being a new American? And I think in our context, you know, we have a lot of short-term tourist visa folks that live in our community. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, how, how what is our ability and responsibility to ensure that they feel welcome in our communities? And um, this is a statewide initiative. They reached out to us to see if they could speak with our community. So we're really excited to see what they have to say. That's so exciting. It, it, and I want to ask you, we were talking about defining terms, so I'm just yeah. uh, doing a little bit of a, doing a foreshadowing about a question I want to ask you about economic diversification All right. and have you uh, tell me about, you know, how we define those sure. terms and maybe uh, have you break down for us, unpack um, a little bit of the threats to it. Sure. Uh, that would be wonderful to hear what you have to say while we have just a few minutes left. But first, I want to give you, um, you know, all the time you want to sort of wrap, wrap us up, up about sure. the summit. Yeah. So the, the end of the day is going to be focused on kind of our core tourism operations in our office and in the county at large. Um, so there's going to be a section really focusing on our responsible recreation, education, um, and impact mitigation work. Um, and that's been largely led by the Grand County Active Trails and Transportation Department, um, formerly known as Trail Mix, um, still under the purview of the Trail Mix Committee. Um, but we've done a lot of really good work with them, um, with the Trail Ambassador Program at Trailheads, um, which we're going to do some research on this year. Uh, we're doing a responsible recreation business program a pilot. So trying to, the idea would be to basically ensure that all of our frontline kind of tourism industry workers that communicate with our visitors, you know, know what BioCrest is when they get asked the question, um, <laughs> those types of things, right? The basics that we kind of assume everybody knows at this point um, and really ensuring that we kind of have a really good culture of what is, when people say responsible recreation, like what does that actually mean in the Moab context? And really educating as many people as possible and bringing, bringing our community together around that um, It definitely topic. means that you can, I would say, uh, teach people who yeah. are just being here for the first time, uh, this, this noise travels that far, that fire needs to put out, a bunch of stuff. 
all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last piece is the end of the uh, kind of program is going to be focused on kind of the bread and butter of what our department kind of really used to be focused on, which is we are still marketing, right? And so what does that look like? What are our plans for the next year? We'll also have the Utah Office of Tourism there to speak to about their new Southern Utah campaign um, and our kind of media partners at Love Communications who does all our strategy and kind of execution of that work. So we're really kind of touching on everything, um, as much as possible, at least. It For a place that is so far from used to be everything, it sure gets touched by everything, the whole yeah. world, doesn't it? Yep. We have to think very large for such a small place. Uh, August, I am so glad to have you here. You joined the county as a business development specialist uh, in March of 21, and the direction of the department in September, you oversee economic diversification, tourism destination management, and film-related activities. So it says on your uh, presenter bio, which is great. But it leads me to this question because we hear that uh, there is a new House bill sponsored by Grand County's own rep. Representative Phil Lyman, Republican from Blanding, that would repeal in July the county's two-year-old ability to uh, funnel some of those transient room dollars towards economic diversification, um, defined as activities mirroring those of the governor's Office of Economic Opportunity. Can you... uh, Help me with that. Yeah, of course. So I was hired two years ago um, as the first person to kind of execute this program, um, you know, in in the context of uh, Moab really feeling the pinch of really rapid growth in the tourism economy. And I think from a policy standpoint, asking the question, are we getting diminishing returns on our investments in the tourism economy from a marketing standpoint? And if we spent the same amount of money um, as we're growing, you know, we, our budget as a department used to be somewhere between one and two million dollars on just on the marketing side of things. So as that's grown, well, if we're if we're continuing those stable operations and taking this excess, or I should say, additional um, revenue and drive that towards kind of our non-tourism economy, try to increase the number of full-time, year-round benefited jobs in our community that don't necessarily rely on someone to visit our community in person physically, um, and it was a really exciting task to begin to work on and kind of starting really from scratch. Um, six months later, got hired to be the full-time director of the whole department. So I had to do a crash course in tourism management and everything I think that people in this community care about and figuring out, uh, where, where the lines are and, and where the conversations are. Um, and we, you know, we had thought that we had gotten a really good starting point. Um, We had a really good board made up of um, diverse representatives in our community. We had created a uh, grant program kind of as our first pilot step for how do we spend this money. Um, the, The rules required us to not we were not allowed to hold more than 50% of our annual revenues in reserves. So basically, we had to spend at least 50% of the money that came in in any given year that year. And so we were up against that limit because the first year we didn't spend anything because we were kind of in planning mode. Mm-hmm. And and really personnel transition mode. And I think a lot of just general shifts um, in our local government at the time. And... Uh, ultimately decided the first couple priorities were to help fund the Small Business Development Center at USU Moab. Um, we've, we've had staff in the past be a business development consultant, um, but it's always been a part-time kind of quasi-funded position. So we wanted to make sure we had a full-time staff that was going to be here for at least three years who'd be able to provide technical business assistance to any entrepreneur, uh, any any growing business in the Valley. Um, and then the kind of second goal was let's do some planning. So we, we had slowly kind of been put, putting together a scope of work for kind of a holistic economic development plan that would encompass sustainable tourism with economic diversification. And the last piece was let's get money into the hands of the people with the best ideas in our community, with the best opportunity to turn those kind of dollars into jobs and community benefit. And that was the STAR grant program. Um, and that's what Lyman has taken aim at, uh, thinking that, in fact, it's a carve out, even though the people of the county have long been saying, wow, we could really not use more marketing. Could, right. could we please, 
please deal with some of the effects of tourism. Right. And this is the element of it that uh, Representative Lyman seems to take issue with. Is that fair to say? That was that was definitely one of the one of the main points, and it ended up being the topic of conversation up at the state house. Um, and ultimately, I think that there was a misunderstanding in a lot of ways about where we were at and where we were going. Um, and in the uh, course of, of, of testimonials and conversations between our community, people who are in favor of this program and, and economic diversification being funded out of transient room tax dollars, fighting against industry, tourism industry, who has long kind of taken held the belief that the tourism tax dollars should stay within the tourism economy, or at least within the tourism ecosystem. I so see. maybe through trail development, but felt that this was perhaps a undue burden on a specific group of folks to fund this, and that TRT generally should not be spent on that. And so they had they went neutral on this bill originally because it was so narrow and just focused on Grand County. They were kind of forced to take a position against this bill, even though we've worked really closely with a lot of the folks in the tourism industry locally and across the state. And I think ultimately the political reality of, of this being struck down was kind of a case of Grand County's reputation um, getting ahead of us. Um, I think the state has seen Grand County as, you know, a black sheep in some ways and, and making poor decisions in ways that they, things they would not like to see when it comes to managing our, um, you know, off, off highway vehicle ride recreation in town, um, when it comes to managing the, the tourism industry. And I think also locals who have felt strongly about how, the decisions that Grant County has been making. So in some ways, for me, this is this is kind of just the politi- political karma, karmic return of just politics in action. And I don't think it necessarily entirely was, this program is faulted, so we must end it. Uh-huh. Um, so I think for me, my, the main takeaway was that, how much time do we have? Do we, do we need to be done here? 30 seconds. Okay. Was that economic diversification was underscored as important by every single person in that room up at the state capitol. But perhaps not this tax and perhaps not this kind of a program. And so for me going forward, my mission then is let's get the community on the same page from a planning perspective and aggressively go after, after the resources or find a way to create new resources for this need in our community that's that's durable and built on a political coalition. So that's that's my mission going forward. August, Grana, thank you for tackling it. And uh, so broad, so round, so kind for the whole topic on behalf of Grand County, thanks for coming up today. Again, uh, GrandSummitMoab.com if you want to check that out, uh, March 1st, 2023. August, have a good evening. Thank you so much. Okay.